Hello and welcome to The Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. And a very, very happy new year, everyone. Happy new year to one and all. Can you believe it is 2022? I think I feel like my life is in a time warp. (laughs) I feel like my life is in a time warp. You know, like back in the days, Mark, when we used to kind of sit, you remember that phenomenon, you'd go to school and you'd open your, you'd open your new kind of page in your textbook mm-hmm. and you'd write down, you know, last year's date. We all did it. <laughs> but it feels like we're in a time warp. 2022, absolutely amazing. Well, I hope I hope your new year was, was well, Mark. How was your new year? It, well, it was, um, I, I can't, I can't keep this up. We're recording this in the middle of December. <laughs> <laughs> By the it power was, of Grayskull. It was, it was great. Uh, what, what, would it, what would it have been like if it had happened? from the sky was surprising. Um. <laughs> Brilliant. But we're in the spirit of the new year because I think, you know, as you, as you getting towards the end of the new year, you start, you start, you know, it's out with the old in with the new I can't and today wait. we're going to be encouraging you all of our <laughs> lovely writers out there in writing land listening to the bestseller experiment our experiments one and all we're going to be encouraging you to think about your goals for this year yes and um and we've also got an absolutely amazing interview to inspire you as well mm-hmm. um for all the people that have been struggling with trying to get on with that idea they've had for many many years you're going to hear an incredible story about someone that had that challenge and ended up knocking it out of the park um, but before we do, Mr. Stay, a very happy new year to you and um, and to you, sir. What are you looking forward to this year? Well, um, I've I've given my my film agent uh, one very simple message: meetings. Get me all the meetings you can get. You know, I've got a film coming out uh, in March. Hopefully, in March. You know, uh, all things being equal in this crazy world we live in at the moment. Um, so yes, as many meetings as possible. Trying to you know pitch other other film ideas and TV ideas. Uh, hopefully writing more Woodville books as well. Hoping to have some news on that very soon. Um, one bit of news as well. Ghost of Ivy Barn is coming out 7th of July. We had a date in May, but i tell you what, publishing and release dates is chaos at the moment. So uh, Ghost of Ivy Barn, third Woodville book is coming on 7th of July. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a... The thing I'm hoping for most of all is that 2022 will resemble something that we used to call normal. That would be nice. (laughs) I don't know about you. Yes. What what were your goals, Mr. D? Well, oh my gosh. The problem, the problem is you probably know me too well, Mark, is I always have too many goals. (laughs) I'm one of these people that like, I need to have 17 simultaneous lifetimes to do everything I'd love to try and do. But a big one for me, um, inspired by, a, a podcast interview I did recently is starting to put together something that I'm kind of calling, and I'm using this as a very rough working title, the life library. And so it's the idea of all the things that we could use in our life. Now, from a writer's perspective, things that we could use in our life to help us find more time to write, for example, because I, I keep hearing this again and again. People are like, I don't have time to write, or I'm too busy, or I don't have the right routines or habits yet. And there's so much work that we all have to do in that space to enable the things that we really want to do. So I'm going to put together, and it's going to start small and hopefully grow over time, but a kind of a repository of, of ideas, things I've tried, things I've found that have worked, things I've found that haven't worked, to do with life in general, whether it's habits, whether it's, um, you know, managing a family, whether it's um, looking at finances, looking at how you can cut your email down, all these different aspects that just seem to suck us into this black hole of overwhelm in the world we live in. And I'm going to start dropping those in. And all the nice thing is all of those videos, if you're part of the Bestseller Academy, they are going to be part of your membership. You're going to get access to everything that I do on that. So it's just a big, massive kind of add-on to the Academy. Um, so that's the first thing. And then, sorry, go on. Well, I was just, just going to say, so basically you're going to sort out the meaning of life? Hey, pretty, pretty much, yeah. Good, that's good, that's, okay. the, chap- right, that's fine, the final fine. chapter. That's the epilogue. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you um, like the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, do you know what the idea came from? This is a funny thing, but the idea came from being a parent and having so much stuff that I want to share with my kids, but then just not being at the age yet where 
they want to hear it. <laughs> so yeah. like, well, maybe there's yeah. other people out there that do want to. Oh, dead, dead. <laughs> Shut up. But but I realised as well in my in my upbringing and in my life in general, you kind of like they said brilliant saying: when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So I want to create this repository for everyone. So like at the point where you need to read about or hear about or watch a video on me talking about something it'll be there for you even if i mm. recorded it you know six months ago making it relevant um so that's in a, in a nutshell wow uh, okay that's it's a kind of a little little thing and then on the <laughs> writing side obviously i promised to my dream declaration was to get the kids book either published or with an with a agent slash publisher by end of september so that right. is still on right and the other thing is i'm writing a thriller um which i'm yeah. absolutely loving and I would like to finish that. Um, I would like to finish that by the end of September as well, so that I can spend the last quarter. So yeah, it's a whole new world. Exciting it's a whole new world, as they good, say. Good, 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 yeah. good, good stuff. Brilliant stuff. And uh, today we're going to we're going to chat with an incredible author, who or speaker. I don't quite know how to how we should introduce him because it's a bit of an interesting <laughs> twist on um, on a very very interesting guest who created a book on Audible as the publication of it. Like it wasn't a book that came normally. And Mark, tell us about our amazing guest today, Daniel Rigby. Yes, Daniel Rigby is a BAFTA-winning actor, comedian and writer, works in theatre, TV, film, also been a stand-up and live comedy performer. Uh, he's been in all kinds of stuff, including Black Mirror. He won the BAFTA for his portrayal of Eric Morecambe in a BBC Two drama called Eric and Ernie, which I saw, and he is brilliant in it it's very easy to do an impression of eric moore can you arsenal you know but he's uh, he he played him on and off stage and he did it so well uh he's worked in theater including one man two governors uh he's done stuff like warship down jericho flowers but he's written a story uh, a book audiobook isaac Steele and the forever man which is an audible original also narrated by Daniel, and it's comedy science fiction. You know, we've referenced Douglas Adams once already uh, on, on the podcast. Comedy science fiction following the adventures of Agent Isaac Steele as he contends with aliens, robots, monsters, bureaucrats, and perhaps most deadly of all, his own numerous flaws. And we discuss, among many other things, letting ideas marinate, sometimes for years, and those ideas that fall by the wayside. We talk about series Bibles and what to do with them, and why his protagonist started out as too disgusting to follow, prompting a major rewrite. Brilliant stuff. So let's dive in and listen to Mark chatting with the lovely and very humble Daniel Rigby. <laughs> Daniel Rigby, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today, sir? Very well, thank you. Thanks very much. Lovely stuff. Now, we're here to talk about Isaac Steele and the Forever Man. And when when people think of comedy combined with science fiction, they might naturally go to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But actually, this, this, is, this is like a noir crime. It's a little bit Blade Runner. There's a little bit of Robert Rankin in there. Where did this, where did this all start for you? Where did it all come from? Um, well, the idea started as a kind of... Uh, as a, a direct Mickey take really of Blade Runner, um, which I noodled about with probably about 10 years ago. Um, and it was, it was at the time, it was kind of an old school um, Sam Spade kind of monologue um, with a lot more just direct um, parody about it. And over the years it developed into something that I thought because of my love for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and, love of sci-fi and graphic novels and world building and that kind of thing, I thought, well, would it be worth trying to make this daft universe something um, bigger and also a bit more coherent <laughs> than what I was writing at the time? Um, so that's how it started, yeah. Ten years is a is a long time for something like this to sort of marinate in the background. And obviously, you know, after a winning actor and you know you're doing all kinds of incredible stuff how are you keeping track of it over the years is it sort of in notebooks and files on your computer how how often did you come back to it like that um it was notebooks mainly yeah and i would just find myself returning to the character um periodically so every few months i would find myself just with a notebook because at the time i was also when it started i was doing stand up and sketch stuff so 
the 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 stuff that I was writing in the main was was that kind of um, was that kind of in that kind of format. But I did find myself in in my spare time just returning to this this uh, misanthrope. And um, at the time as well, he was a bit of a psychopath. Um, I don't know why I kept on returning to him. To be honest, it's probably something I should talk to a therapist about. But um, it, it it did just keep on. I just kept on coming back to it. So. Yeah, that was that was how how it evolved in just it basically tons and tons of notebooks, but always in in shorter snippets um, rather than I never I never attempted a longer story until uh, a few years ago. We hear this a lot from uh, writers, which is uh, and again when when writers are just starting out, they might have a few ideas that and they don't know which one to go with. But very often it's that idea that won't go away that sticks. Were there other ideas that fell by the wayside or is this just the one thing you were focusing on all that time? No, there are plenty of ideas that fell by the wayside. But I I tend to have I tend to move kind of glacially creatively just because I'm I'm basically a terrified person. <laughs> and terrified of <laughs> terrified of failure, terrified of inevitably things not being good enough. And so I I hoard I hoard ideas and keep them, don't tell anyone about them and keep them well safely within me for a long, long time before I'm prepared to let anyone um even know about it. So I think that's all that's also feeds into how long it took, basically. So did, was there was there a point? Where you overcame that fear, where you thought, okay, I've, a, I've got enough of this for a full length story, and b, it's it's at a point where I'm ready to sort of share it with the world. Is that how it worked? Um, yeah, the it was a f- few years ago. There was just a happy accident of uh, my the agent who looks after me for stand up and and uh, literary stuff got this remit in from Audible saying that they were looking for ideas that crossed multiple genres um, that could potentially be series. Um, They were hoping for comedy, hoping for sci-fi. And it just so happened that this was, it, it, uh, it, it just so happened that I had that in, in quite a few notebooks with Isaac. It just kind of matched in, in a, in a few good ways. So I thought, oh, I'll try and now flesh it out and make it something more, um, make the narrative something that could sustain as well. Yeah. Excellent. Now, I, I read somewhere, you mentioned world building earlier, and I read somewhere that you created a kind of a series Bible uh, for, for Isaac Steele and, and his universe. And uh, did that come before the main draft or was that something you built as you went along? No, that came before. Yeah, that was one of the first well, I'd had I'd, I sort of had all the noodly bits in a notebook, which you know they they existed already as little fragments. But then I I'd heard about how on big shows like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad, um, they have when they have showrunners, they have these these bibles that they build for directors and writers who are coming in to work on the show, and it has within it you know the rules of. Um, of, of how the show works, how the world of it works, how the characters work. And uh, I just thought it would be a really useful thing to do to set myself the, the rules of this. Cause it, it's also helpful when, when, cause what I'm, what I, cause Isaac is ridiculous. I mean, it's ludicrous. Like the universe is really, really daft. And I think it just, I, I thought, how helpful it would be to have some some concrete rules and uh, framework for people to hang on to while you're being sort of guided through this um, insane um, insane place. So, yeah, it, it came before actually writing the first draft, and and a lot of it, it you know, it changed. Um, but it was really useful for me to set out. I mean, it's really boring stuff as well, like economics and what do they, you know, what's the money and how, how, how do they vote and things like that. Something that you would never put in a story because it's just um, skull crushingly dull, but um, it, it did, <laughs> it did help me, uh, you know, couldn't know where I was, you know, when I was writing it. We've, we've had, we've had authors on here before who've done similar things and they, they find those things useful, but they do confess that sometimes it is kind of procrastination. It's putting off the main event. It's that thing they do before they sort of jump into the pool. Was was there a feeling of that, or or did it help you gain momentum? Um, yeah, there was certainly a lot of procrastination going on, and it probably was uh, that was a big part of it. 
Um, but I, I, I think it, it, in a weird way, it was it was encouraging writing it and feeling feeling a bit more grounded and a, a bit more like I, if something came up in the writing of it, I would have an answer to it in this uh, in this in this Bible. Um, yeah, I mean the main the main problem I had in the in the the process of writing was that the when I got an editor for the first draft, Isaac was um, originally a, a a character that I I had in my head that he would start as the the most unlikable antihero that you could ever write, and I was I was hoping to take him on some sort of journey where you ended up loving him, but my editor said uh, that he was too disgusting to follow. <laughs> So I had to, and because the whole thing's in first person, um, I'd just written this just disgusting man monologue for for hundreds of pages, and it all had to go in the bin. So that so that was the that was slightly, I mean, it was it was a little bit daunting, um, but um it was a good learning process because I think that that had come out of a lack of planning on my part. And uh uh, and just let and just sort of um, let, let, giving myself too much free reign, uh, but it, it was yeah, I, it all had to go in the bin. I had to start pretty much from scratch. I mean, some of it, some of it stayed, but I had to change his complete character, which meant changing the whole, the whole thing. Wow, wow, that it's quite quite a bit to unpack there. Let's let's, let's see what you can do with that. So, um, I mean, f- first of all, you know, you get a note like that from an editor. And it, it's it's a you know it's a bucket of cold water over the head, isn't it? So you're, you're was there a point of you thinking I'll stuff it, forget it, I'll walk away from it, or were you up for the challenge? No, I felt well up for the challenge. I, I mean, it was disheartening, but I understood what she was saying because I, I also knew that I was in, with with facets of his character. I knew that I was being deliberately provocative, um, and also I have an intensely puerile sense of humour. <laughs> would test anyone's patience so I thought well fair enough um and so I I did it was it was galvanizing but it also happened at the beginning of the first lockdown when there's all kinds of other existential things going on and there were there were a few days of just it felt like just holding on holding on to the handles of and with the no other work the prospect of no other work happening whatsoever and being staring this sort of complete rewrite in in the face and and also feeling like I was look staring at my own mediocrity you know I was being being shown my own mediocrity for a few days of just holding on and thinking no I can't you you, you can do this brick by brick but you, you'll get there slowly so it was it was a real mix <laughs> what what were the what were the first steps once you you know came down from that that note uh what were the first steps did you just sort of put a draft to one side and start from scratch or did you sort of pick up the pieces and start pulling it back together well um the editor who was called julie crisp she her note fantastic editor yeah Yeah, she's brilliant (laughs) so so she 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 had that note but she'd also um a lot of the notes were story structure notes which was absolutely my biggest weakness that were um fantastic and it kind of her 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 set of story structure notes acted as a kind of blueprint uh from 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 which i could start then so um she'd suggested adding a prologue and you know adding a a proper um subplot which is something i didn't have and um you know you know made it proper (laughs) so um so I started from her. Her notes basically were a springboard into into that process. Okay, you mentioned there that next time you might do more planning. So were you? Because I'm interested in because this is audible first. It's audio first, and you've got this background in comedy and acting. So there's a performative aspect to it. And I'm just wondering how you piece it because you know there's the improv thing of yes and. You know, and that's a great way to to develop stories. How much of that informed uh, the way that you you put the first draft together? Um, I I think knowing that I was going to perform it, um, I mean, it was a slightly different it was a slightly different process, and I was perhaps a bit braver with some of the stranger aspects 
of the story uh, because I knew that I would be selling it, <laughs> as it were, eventually. Um, yeah, I uh, I think uh, it's it's tricky because I don't think it I don't think it changed necessarily fundamentally how how I went about writing it as a as a draft, but it was in the back of my mind that I would I would be the one that would be speaking it. Um, and the fact that it was first person that 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 helped that make a lot of a lot of sense, you know, because the first person is essentially like writing a massive monologue, um, a really really long monologue. <laughs> what is what is the word count of the book in the end? Uh, I think it's eighty thousand. Yeah, that's that's a fair yeah. chunk. That's yeah. A fair chunk. <laughs> Loads of words in books, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's. Uh, we're obsessed with writing habits on this podcast, uh, and you mentioned that some of this was written during the lockdown. What's uh, what, what was your sort of writing routine? How did that develop and change over time? Um, it was sort of perversely helped um, by the lockdown just because there was there was just time to write um there was no other work to do so I did get into quite a good routine um I'm a, I'm a morning person so I would get up early make um gallons of coffee and then sit at the dining room table probably from about eight until just after lunchtime and then I, I, I would have a word count I would try and do a thousand words a day especially when I knew that I had to rewrite I was I was trying to hit at least a thousand words a day, and sometimes that was ha- happening very happily, and other times um, it was not, and my brain was a blank, <laughs> <laughs> and I would lie down um, and try and recover. But um, and then so, and sometimes it would the the word count would be much higher. Just um, yeah, it, it always has a feeling of like a, a, there's a slight uphill downhill quality to it where you you you're whatever and whatever creative engine it is you've got this crankshaft and you're kind of winding it up and trying to get it to hum and the, the there's a slow effort and then sometimes a nice downhill bit where you don't have to do much um yeah but then inevitably the gradient comes back and you have to start pushing uphill again um but that was yeah it, that was mainly that was the main part of my process, yeah. Apart from Julie, your editor, were you giving it to anyone else to to read and give you feedback? I was, um, yeah, I was really annoying my brother um, <laughs> with, because uh, like, we we uh, were living together last year during the first lockdown and I would collar him quite regularly and say, what do you think of this? And read him bits and uh, he was he was always very encouraging but you know there were there were times when we're sort of uh he's trying to do other things and there's a bit of a thousand yard stare going on <laughs> but he was really helpful um giving yeah just a perspective on what was funny and he would always ask really good questions like if he didn't understand something he would be quite he would really interrogate that which was incredibly useful just always saying why? Why is why is that happened? Why is that person doing that? So you don't sort of miss anything. Excellent stuff. Um, as you said, you've, you've you've done this series Bible. You've you've created that much much bigger world for Isaac Steele. Is this series going to continue? Do you have plans for more and more of these? Yeah, I do. I have. I would love to uh, write more of it, and I do have a kind of vague kind of idea of what um, where I would like it to go and what might happen to. Uh, Isaac and uh, the Discovered Universe and Greatest Britain and Mega Paris and all those places. So, yeah, I, I do. I do have that in the back of my mind. I did originally think think in terms of writing about I think five or six stories and had in my Bible. I had sort of brief outlines of what they might be because I was thinking more in terms of a kind of Sherlock Holmes series of mysteries. But it's ended up being something a little bit different. And and in the process of writing the first one, I ended up chewing through so many ideas that I thought <laughs> I thought I would use in the, in the distant future. Um, so, I, I've, uh, so it's condensed now, I think, <laughs> but it's, but I would like to, uh, 
I would like to write more adventures. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to hear that because um, I think a common mistake a lot of writers make when they're starting out in the series is there's there's a temptation to go, oh, that's a really good bit. I'm going to put that in book two, which can sometimes make book one kind of boring. I mean, you sometimes see this with pilot episodes of TV shows as well, where not much happens, but, you know, and something great happens in episode four or five. But you you were brave enough to take all that stuff and put it in the first book. Was that, you know, was that a scary decision? Um, yeah, I guess I thought, I, I thought when I, when I was first introducing some of the ideas that I thought would take much longer to eke out into the first book, I thought, am I giving myself, am I just going to run out of runway, you know, into, uh, is the, am I, am I sort of deleting a whole future for Isaac that I could have had? Is it, is it going to run out of road? But, but um, I think I'm encouraged by uh, thinking about writing and stories is always uh it's always more disheartening than when you just turn up and start doing it. I've got faith that when you turn up and just start doing it, that stuff happens. And when you're on the outside of it, it can always feel way more daunting and impossible than, uh, than it actually is. Um, he said, hopefully. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's absolutely true. It's, it's one of these things you hear a lot. People would say, Oh, I'd love to start a novel, but I just don't have the time. Or I just, and you, you just have to carve out that time, don't you? You have to. I mean, lockdown was one thing, but you're, you know, you're an actor. You do, you do audio books. You do other things. You know, you, you uh, voiceovers and things like that. So you are, you know, very busy person. So you are carving out that time to to get on with it. And as you say, when you turn up, stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Um, is there going to be a print version of this somewhere down the line? I would, I would love there to be. That would be a real dream to be, uh, to be a, a printed author. I mean, I feel a bit of a fraud coming on this and you know, a, a writer's podcast when I don't technically have a book. Um, but yeah, I would love to. Uh, I would love, I would love it to be a print book. I think it's, I think it's a little bit more complicated when audio, when audio rights are already with uh, audible i think that just that complicates things but we're mm. trying we're, we are trying at the moment to um to see whether it can happen we're, you know fingers crossed excellent excellent stuff. and we've 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 had this debate a number of times we say if you've listened to the audiobook you've read it simple as that it counts it totally counts uh frankly it's the only way any non-fiction sinks into my head at my age so it's uh no absolutely counts fantastic so what's coming next daniel there might be more isaac Steele. has this given you the bug to write other stuff as well or uh, you know is this um you work in the world of tv and film could there be screenplays on the horizon too i'd l- yeah i'd love to um do more of that that would be terrific so um i'm definitely i'm definitely working up a few ideas that i won't jinx by describing <laughs> in any way um <laughs> But yeah, that's 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 hopefully going to be in, in the future, and, and there's quite a bit of acting, luckily, going on as well at the moment. So I'm currently doing a, a a couple of a couple of things up until the end of this year, and then I think I'll put the writing hat on at the beginning of next year, and um, yeah, get 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 at it. Brilliant stuff. Uh, can't wait to see it. Can't wait to read it. Can't wait to hear it. Uh, Daniel Rigby, thank you so much for speaking to us today, and hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks very much. Thank you. Wow, I loved that interview, Mark. The mm. it was such it was such an interesting thing to hear about how he had this idea kicking around forever. It's like I, I've kind of written my notes here: the idea that never died. Mm. It's like the one that's like a marathon of ideas. There's all the, I have this kind of visual of all these all these ideas starting a marathon, and some drop away in the wayside. And there's one that's always there, and it's always going. And it's so brilliant that after all those years, he finally got it to a place where he could put it out into the world and share it with everyone. Well, sometimes it's just that the idea isn't ready yet. You have a nugget of something there, mm. and you know, as a writer, as a you know, as storyteller or creative person, you think there's there's something in that, but I don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is yet, and you kind of you maybe investigate it and try writing things down, and you only get so far, and then put it away, and then come back to it later. And, and that's what happened with the Woodville books. I mean, 
they've they've been milling around in my brain for about 15 years uh, and I could never quite get it right. And then suddenly something will click into place. You think, ah, oh, now is the time. Now okay. is the time to do it when those kind of things fall into place. And the fact that he's done it on audio as well with his skills as an actor and narrator and with his comedy skills. And it's like, yeah, of course, this is like a hitchhiker's science fiction fun adventure. Everything kind of clicks into place. And sometimes you just have to be patient. It is. It's about being patient and it's about trusting the process, knowing that, knowing that, you know, sometimes an idea isn't quite fully formed. It's a bit like diamonds, how diamonds form in some ways. When you think about, if you Mm -hmm. draw an analogy, right, that it does take, it can take, it is the length of time that it takes to make a diamond. And so, but but I love a good story like this where, because you know, I know everyone listening to this probably has at least one, if not 15 or 20, of those kind of ideas. And there can be a bit of a desperation around, you know, trying to force it or thinking, I'm running out yeah. of time, it's never yeah. going to happen. And, um, you know, I think it's important that everyone pushes at least one of those ideas over the line. And to see Daniel do it in the way that he has is absolutely brilliant. The other thing to remember is an idea is just an idea. It's not a story. A lot of people who've never written before... And you hear a lot of authors, and I've had people say, I've got an idea for a novel, right? I've got the idea. You write it for me, right? And I've got the idea. <laughs> and the thing is, the idea is just an idea. It's just two lines of something. It's not characters or story or plot or anything like that. And that's that's what the patience requires because you think, okay, there's a nugget of something there, but it, it needs it needs more. And that's where the skill comes in as a writer in translating something that's an idea into characters you know that have changes and you know scenes and drama and all that good stuff so um so yeah there is this myth of the idea all i need is a good idea all i need is that one idea uh but that's not it that's not it you have to let the thing marinate as as daniel said let it let it tick away in the background and and have faith in yourself that you'll make something of it and have faith in the idea to just mature and blossom over time yeah and and the whole process of marinating is about making something you know taste even better so by the end of the day right you end up with a book which <laughs> which is probably it might even be something that you you could never create if you just came up with an idea and started writing on it straight away so mm. yeah. yeah i think everyone's got i i think of like it is like parallels of ideas that start at different they they're born in different like times in our timeline and yeah. they start there and they're in our subconscious and they're working away. I mean, the idea I'm working on is it, similar. I've had it, I've had it kicking around for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a combination of a news article that I read that suddenly was the missing piece, like inspired yeah. the idea of like, oh God, if I just mash that with that, oh, I've got mm-hmm. something. And that then started the process of writing. So, and it's also interesting that, that Daniel talks about series Bibles as well, I think, because yeah. You know, as, as as those ideas marinate, I think what is also marinating is that the world is starting to be, you know, to some extent being built as you yeah. think about more and more to do the idea. But I love the idea that he he captured it like you would do in TV. And that, that mm. is something I've heard a number of authors kind of doing, especially if they've got, you know, a complex novel or they've got like a sci-fi, you know, massive world buildings exercise. But I think anyone doing doing a Bible, not even a series Bible, but just a Bible for your book could be really valuable. Yeah, it's some it's I mean, the danger there is it turns into procrastination and you True. end up building a wonderful world in which nothing happens. Uh and I you know, my first stories that I got really excited about when I was a kid were these there are a knockoff between Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica, and I have a very distinct memory of drawing a fleet of spaceships, naming all the spaceships, uh, giving them all different classes, you know, and this took me, you know, days and days and days, and then I had a lot of nice, pretty pictures. No characters, no story, you yeah. know, nothing whatsoever. So, you know, I was, I was, I was doing that, you know, from a very early age. So I think it's, um, it's something that evolves with the story. I've got, you know, and particularly if you're doing an ongoing series as well. So I do have a, I have a Scrivener, Scrivener document, and we do a course on this on the academy. Uh, I do. I've got a little video showing you how it all works. Where um, uh, I've used the Scrivener document as my bible, basically. So when I, f- you know, as I'm finish a draft things will have changed new characters will have been introduced so i then pop them in the bible and it's because it's um 
Scrivener, it's all searchable as well, so yes. you can go okay, and, and easy to lay things out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that the, the really important thing for people who've never used something like a Bible to 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 capture ideas is it can be the place where you put the things that you otherwise might put in the novel, which shouldn't actually be there. You yeah, know, it's all those extra bits that you you know you need to go through the thought process yourself to kind of understand where the character's at and who the character is. But you can capture it in this in this attachment to your book, and you can let that be your kind of private space where you kind of think of ideas or you put things that, and 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 so it's not a sense of like oh is it in or not? It's like no, that's actually part of the evolution of the character, and that goes in the Bible, and it's there as mm. a reference point, and that makes our novels a lot punchier and 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 less you know less full of things that don't need to be there which is obviously one of the biggest challenges most most of us writers have right we want to put down everything we think of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that hundred pages hundreds of pages that were been though oh my gosh i just felt my <laughs> it's like being kicked it's, it's that feeling like as a writer the only thing i can think of it's like playing football and being kicked as we say in british speak, <laughs> in the nads it, yeah. it, it's just it's one of those things you think oh that just must be awful i know a lot of people have been there as well yeah, I mean the quote. You know, I've written down a quote from this, and he said it was like being shown my own mediocrity. <laughs> and, like, I, and when ouch. I heard that, I thought, yeah. Well, I I oh. relate. You know, you relate to that. You um, when you get feedback, you do tend to overlook the good stuff and just concentrate on the oh, oh god, I'm awful yeah, stuff. We're terrible for that. Yeah, yeah, but it's um. I mean, his editor Julie Crisp, who I think is an agent as well, and we really should get on the show one day. She, she's amazing. She's brilliant. Everyone I know who's worked with her absolutely thinks she's fantastic. So, um, you know, she knows what she's doing, and she was probably very, very right. But it's uh, he, he like he said, it, it was like writing one really long monologue because it's all in the first person as well, mm. and being an actor. I mean, this is presumptuous on my part, but being an actor, he's probably discovering who, you know, the the protagonist is, discovering discovering who Isaac Steele is as he goes on and building a uh, a character around that and building a universe around that and, and the various adventures. So, you know, I, I, I think it is, you know, does make your stomach turn just to think of it, but it is all part of the creative process and if you start thinking about all those drafts that you've done and all those notes that you've made it all kind of adds up to the same in the end you know when you get to the end of a project and that was one of the reasons i i like keeping notebooks now because i've i have a physical record of all the stuff that fell by the wayside all the stuff that didn't make it into the the main story all the dead ends and dead alleyways and and ideas that didn't come to anything but by the end of it i do have this book that i finished and it's like, you know, you do, every time you start one of these, you're at the bottom of that mountain again, but you can prove to yourself that you've done it. And hopefully Daniel will do many more, you know, Isaac Steele stories after this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think as well, you go through those, you go through those learning curves as well um, for a reason, because, and in some ways, the, 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 the more you write, the quicker you can get through them and everyone has their things and they're all unique to each individual ultimately. But we discover through through a journey especially that's why it's great to have someone like an agent or an editor who can actually point these things yeah. out to you because it's it's yeah. impossible to see them yourself really i mean it's it's like having a bogey at the end of your nose no one you know <laughs> you need someone else to point it out what um, a lovely analogy yeah, for the first well, I, show I was, in 2022 I was, I was just but i just you know that horror of thinking that you've walked around like the shopping center all afternoon with this big anyway of letters um, you know it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which might be a better analogy. Let's start as we need to go on. 2022 <laughs> out of the bang. Um, I like the idea. Now, you know, you talked about beta readers, and you and you and he talked about his brother, and mm -hmm. I loved. I, it really kind of made me think about the value of beta readers as interrogators, not mm. just not just people that give you feedback, but actually ask those questions that, like, well, why why does that happen? Why is this the way it is? That's you want someone to interrogate you, like because it really does bring to the surface the challenges of things that you again won't have seen for yourself. 
Yeah, the the but why slap being interrogated by a toddler. But why? why? But why? Yeah, yeah, it's like oh. <laughs> yeah, and then you actually have to want eventually why? you have to why answer is the, the question. Blue? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you either eventually have to say I don't actually know, son. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't yeah. pay attention yeah. in geography. But and um, I, I guess your answer depends on if I mean if you don't actually know, then that means you need to really think about that. If you know, but why did this character? interrogate this character why did this character do this thing then suddenly you don't have a motivation or for that character or that action so that is a weakness in your story um you know so or, or they could be going but why is this happening here and if they're two-thirds of the way into the story there may be a reveal you know so maybe you need to uh signpost that a little more clearly so it's um it is it is a good way to show weaknesses which is why i like when i get when I ask for beta reader feedback, I say to people, don't wait till the end. Put your notes in as you go along. Let me know where you got lost. Even though it might have been revealed later on, it shows me where the reader will be bumped out of the story because they'll be going, oh, but why is he? Why has he done that? Why is that happening? And that yeah. really helps me, you know, uh, prop those moments up. The challenge is it all makes sense in our head as an author. Yeah. Right? We, yeah. we know it all. We, we, we get it. We've understood. We create the whole thing. But it's actually having that distance from it. Um, somebody else who can look in and say, that doesn't make sense to me. And you're like, oh, why not? And then when they explain it to you, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, they're not inside my head. And um, <laughs> so that was really, really interesting. I found it as well fascinating about, you know, I mean, it's a conversation we've had before, but it's again to reiterate this idea of don't hold back the good stuff for like, you know, episode yes. two, book two. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I look at some of the authors that we've interviewed over the years. You look at people like Michael Connolly. Um, you know, we talked to him recently about his, you know, 30 years now into the writing business, and yet he still keeps writing amazing books. It's like there is an infinite well of good ideas, and mm. it's good to be reminded of that again and again. I think because we all have a tendency of thinking, oh, maybe I'll save that till later, and then it might never get used. Yeah, again, it's, it's that romance the myth of the idea being this precious little thing and they're not they you know the ideas beget ideas and yeah as you say you know don't wait to make things interesting until you know book two don't wait to make things interesting till chapter two Put all- exactly get out the gate yeah, yeah you're right yeah. i mean i i li- i have very low tolerance now for a book that doesn't grab me in the first chapter i literally i grabbed five or six books out of the library as part of my research for thrillers. And I was kind of curious and I thought, I'm going to read the first chapter of each one of these books and I'm going to accept or reject which right. ones are going to make it. It was a little very brutal, but I thought, you know, if I want to write something that really grabs people, then I've got to understand what I think as a reader when I read other people's works. Um, and, and again, it doesn't mean that you have to write like that. Um, it doesn't mean you've got to have some kind of crazy thing happening in the opening chapter because your your book might be a slow burner. It might be something that develops over time, but something has to grab you. It yeah. has to be something that makes you want to turn the page to Read the next on. chapter. Exactly. Yeah. Regardless yeah, yeah. of whether it's historical fiction, you know, a, a supermarket thriller, um, you know, or, uh, you know, comedy, comedy fiction, which is why we kicked off with back to reality. We ended up having the opening scene, no spoiler alert, but a, uh, a double-decker bus goes off a cliff. <laughs> I don't think that's been done in a book before. But, done, um, done at the end of The Young Ones. Um, but- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you know we, we, we learned that the hard way because we had to get rid of chapter chapter one because it didn't, we didn't yeah. feel it was really getting that momentum. So, yeah. yeah don't bore really us, get to the course. Exactly, absolutely. <laughs> and the other thing that was fascinating was just this idea about, you know, finding the time to write. I mean, here we have, Daniel BAFTA award-winning actor who's balancing. I love the way he talks about his writer's hat. Like he literally has to jump between these two very different worlds, but quite interconnected in many ways. But he has to, you know, here's a guy, he could probably spend his entire year doing acting jobs, but actually makes the decision, I'm going to have a bit of time for writing. I'm going to put my writing hat on. And it's this sense of the excuse that we always have of like, well, I'm too busy to write, too busy to write. Um, and I keep saying, I've said this on the Academy so many times, but when is life ever going to get less busy? No one can answer that question because the truth is, is it never gets less busy. And I think even in retirement, folks, from what I've heard, 
<laughs> um, from all the people. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I've ever had time to work is what you hear in retirement, right? Yeah. So I love the fact that Daniel kind of made it happen. And this is one of the biggest, biggest challenges for most writers. I just don't, you know, I don't have the time. I can't squeeze it in. I'll, I'll, I'll wait until this happens or that happens. But that day might never come mm. for some people. So um, it's so good that he just grab, jumps on it and, and yeah. does it. So all yeah. there is you can do you have to fit yeah. in and as I I, I I sort of mentioned the improv technique yes and have you ever done any improv i've not although i've been fascinated i've always wanted to do like a workshop in improv comedy just to kind of experience it you can probably uh, this sort of thing you can probably book you know and, yeah, and yeah, try yeah. out and i mean it's something i did a lot when i studied drama and liked it and you'd soon discover the the key to good improv is the yes and so if someone bounces an idea to you you don't just go no no i don't like that you go oh okay yes and and then you add something to you take that and you take it to the next level and actors are brilliant at that the the good ones anyway they're really really good at at, at building on something so when we were um we had a, a a bit of rehearsal time with the cast from welcome and we uh sat down with them going through backstory and stuff like that and talking about where the characters might have come from and and they were they were just so good at adding stuff to the character that they brought to it so you know they had my script uh but they were saying they saw something and they go oh yes and so let's do this let's do this. so mm-hmm. christian nairn plays a uh you know um uh one of the uh, kids in I say kids he's older than me but he he plays what Cole Meany's uh, st- uh, son in uh, Unwelcome and he has a little pink uh, Game Boy uh, and he was because we wanted him playing games and he said he should have a pink one said, why why should he have because it was secondhand it was the only one he could afford and it was pink and all and his stepsister and stepbrother take the Mickey out of him for and just taking one little thing and he's bringing something to it that's completely new and that's something that i think people like daniel as creatives and it's something we as writers should learn to get our heads around this idea that you take an idea okay what can i add to what's the yes and what's the yes and yes and let's add this let's put this on mm. and you just add wonderful little surprising bits of texture to it as well obviously it's easier if there's two of you writing or you're talking to you know but if, if you do those um if you do this sort of, uh, if you can do an improv class, do it and, and film it. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, it, it, doing a podcast is kind of doing an improv class in many ways, no, it's isn't not. it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it sorry, 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 sorry. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes feels like it anyway. But it is, it, I'm, I must admit, weirdly enough, um, I, I think having done the podcast now for like, I've, as we have done for over five years, it has it certainly helps keep you sharp in some ways. Yeah. You know, you've got, I mean, a radio is the same, you know, when you, when you're live on the radio, there's nothing more terrifying than realizing Mm. that whatever comes out of your mouth is going to be heard by everyone. And you can't, you can't pull it back, you know? Ah. I mean, a lot, just so people know, a lot of what you hear on the podcast is, um, is what you get. I mean, it's, it's very. We don't cut thing. much out, do we? We don't no. cut much out, no. no. Um, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. I can't quite work out, but um, <laughs> but it is. It's interesting. It keeps you on your toes, and I think um, it's a bit like writing a novel in some ways. You don't quite know sometimes what's coming next, and it's about being open to it, jumping in, and 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 letting it flow. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. The <laughs> other thing that I found really fascinating about Daniel and this like this idea of an audible exclusive. Yes, it's like you're writing a book, but it then it isn't a book in the sense of a physical book it's an audio book and it's almost like a radio play in many ways well, i remember i remember that call for content from audible i remember that at the time because i had an idea that i was thinking of pitching and then i held back and funnily enough that's the idea that's gone on to be a tv show that i can't quite talk about yet ah, uh, so i'm glad i sat on that um i think Ian Sainsbury, I think he's Clockwork Sherlock because yeah, he wrote was, an original was, story yeah, for Audible too. His Clockwork Sher- Sherlock was part of that. And I know Audible are really keen to get good original content, but it was all done through agents. So I, you know, uh, Daniel said it came through his agent and uh, it came through my agent as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons to have an agent is when um, – People like Audible publishers put out calls for stuff like that. Then it does it does generally go through the agents. So, um, but yeah, I remember that coming out. But yeah, the you've got a unique 
proposition there in that it is going to be audio first and you can have fun with character and dialogue and and the audio aspects of it that you might not do in a novel and he was saying it would be lovely to have a paperback of this one day but if you and which would be great but if you do listen to Isaac Steele and the Forever Man and you can get free samples on Audible it it is designed for audio first and all the better for it you know it does have that hitchhikers kind of thing where you're thinking yeah okay this is this is not just uh, a narration this is this is something else hmm. And it still has to be written. That's the interesting thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. like writing a script. It still has to be written and you're reading it as a book. Yeah. And it's a whole new world. I mean, I know there's been, you know, audiobooks have been around for ages, it feels like now, but it is feel like it feels like a whole new world and that people are now writing books for audio first, which just seems so foreign in in the world where well, but what do you mean there's not actually a hardback or a paperback of it? And um, so, yeah, lots of lo- lots of ways that the industry is creating more opportunity for writers, which I love. And I think yeah. it's, you know, you embrace everything at the end of the day, like take it all. It's a banquet, folks. It's like explore everything, see what works for you um, and see what see what brings you the, you know, the, the, the best results. So it's great stuff. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant episode. And so thank you so much to Daniel for coming on the show and talking about it. And this is lovely, humble nature. I so appreciate that. Like, here's a guy who's award-winning you know been in some incredible shows and yet also not afraid to kind of be real with us and be real with the writers and say yeah you know i i was i feared doing this i didn't want to share my ideas i was hanging on to everything like all the things that we know every single person goes no matter how much success they've had in life or not you know it's that human experience that we have as writers so thank you so much daniel for for sharing that with us and uh, Mr. Stay, uh, we have some social media exploits yeah. this week, don't we? First episode of the year, but we've already got some lovely good news from lots of our listeners. Let's start with Ben Andrews, who is uh, on Twitter is at Benand underscore ruse uh ben says mm. i may be listening to the bestseller experiment about three years behind right let's just pause there for a second ben uh the, it's okay you can listen to these in any order it doesn't matter if you're three years behind folks if you're listening to the first first time and thinking oh do i have to watch all listen to the previous five years it you know you can start from now or you can go back to the beginning it's all there it's all there for free so jump in whenever you want uh so ben he's been listening he's about three years behind he said he said but they said to tag them if the podcast helps. So here is mine. My first ever book is ready for release on the 10th of January. That's in just a few days, folks. Uh, a mystery drama made of lots of help and advice from the podcast that got me to the end. And Brilliant. his book is called To My Grave by Ben Andrews. And the shout line is Secrets Don't Stay Buried Forever. <laughs> so Ben, huge congrats on that. Really looking forward to uh, to seeing that hit the shelves. And uh, yeah, the first of many, I hope. And great tagline as well. I do love a good tagline. Ever since uh, we started talking about those recently, I'm like, oh yeah, good tagline. <laughs> do love a good tagline. Congratulations. <laughs> um, longtime friend of the podcast and occasional guest on the podcast as well. And I think I've got to get him back on to talk about these. But Julian Barr, he says, I may be jumping up and down and hooting with excitement for the foreseeable. Ashes of Olympus, The Seven Hills is out now and is sneaking its way to online retailers worldwide. It's so good to have a, 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 a trilogy in more than name. So this is Seven Hills is the third book in his Ashes of Olympus series. I'm a, I'm a beta reader on these. These are absolutely brilliant. They're really great. If you if you loved if you grew up loving Ray Harryhausen movies and and epic historical adventures. You're going to love this. Absolutely love this. So, uh, yeah, the, the journey is now complete is a shout land for the, the the trilogy of the Ashes of Olympus series here. Big congrats to you, Julian. And uh, I know Julian's got a lot more good fun stuff on the way. Brilliant. Congratulations, Julian. And the journey is now complete for that trilogy as well, which is absolutely brilliant as well. Wicked stuff. Not many people in this world can say they've written a trilogy. Well, Elizabeth Hurley can. Oh, what a great segue. Elizabeth Hurley, who is uh, in our BXP team on and patron supporter over on Facebook. Uh, she writes a series called The Quantum Curators, which, again, I love. If you Again, if you love history, this is like time travel, parallel universes, history, uh, Egyptian history. It's, uh, you know, it's amazing. Absolutely brilliant. And she's just signed a three-book deal with 
Tantor. Tantor, if you don't know, um, they're an audiobook producer. So she's um, Tantor Media are going to produce the first three quantum curator novels as audiobooks. She says, I'll let you know when I have the dates, but I just couldn't keep this a secret any longer. I was thrilled when they approached me and they have such a great reputation for quality that it made it very easy for me to say yes. So Elizabeth, massive congrats on that. Really, really good news. Fantastic, Elizabeth. Great news to start the year as well. Fantastic, fantastic. And over on the Academy, Edward Beresford, he listed a few wins. He says a few wins. So I'm going to yeah. take a deep breath here. Right, okay. He said he did a first print run of proof copies for his book Dead Trees from KDP. He gave first copies of any of his novels to family members. That's always a big step. He got four quotes from editors on Z, which he's never done before. He's put together a list of agencies for submission using writers and art, using the Writers and Artists Yearbook. He's made a website using Squarespace, and he started the second novel, Red Bloom, and he's kind of been helped out by... We were talking about thematic arguments on, on the Academy recently, so he's been, he'd been using that. Hope you're all having a good week. Edward... Amazing, absolutely brilliant. You know, he's ticking so many boxes there. Uh, it's best of luck. I'm really looking forward. I think this is going to be Edward's year this year. I think so too. And 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 it just shows you as well the amount of things when you when you chip away at stuff, the amount of goals and wins that you can achieve is absolutely amazing. And and that really, you know, that really is you know what we're about in the academy, isn't it, Mark? As well, it's about just people just you don't we're at the beginning of a year we're at the beginning of a year and you think back to last year and you think wow even though it flew by all the things that happened in the last 12 months and we're doing it again this mm. this new year it's like what's going to happen and and a lot of it a lot of it i really do feel as a coach i have to say this a lot of it is going to be based on what you decide you want to try to do this year for most people um that can feel quite overwhelming it can also feel like um you know you don't want to say those big things out loud because you're scared that you know you might then have to try and do the work but this is our life folks you get one shot at this everyone that comes into the academy we really do celebrate this courage of saying it out loud and opening their mouth and saying i want to try and do this we did actually mark recently it's brilliant we did a couple of sessions in the last couple of months on dream goals so we talked about like the realistic goals and then we we did and i said all right everyone we're gonna have some fun now we're gonna have like playground time what would you mo like what are your craziest dream goals we had so many brilliant things come up including um one academy member who who wrote the tweets that she would love to see written about her series brilliant <laughs> like really inventive um another person who who was talking about collaborating with some of his favorite authors and just by allowing that thought to to come out there and speak it out loud it, it opens the door for it potentially becoming real um so on that note if you are interested in joining the bestseller academy this is it. it's the beginning of the new year we are closing the doors for january very very soon you've got a few more days to get to the website put in your application and join us on this amazing journey i promise you you will not have a better experience this year with your writing if you join this group of people it's the most amazing group of supportive people and everyone out there talking about the highs and the lows of writing and being real about it setting goals and making it happen so get over to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com if you want to join us this year a few days left to get your applications in and i guess mark we should mention about the 200 word challenge as well for people who want to start 2020 as a new leaf in their word count book Yep, never been a better time to start than today, frankly. Um, so, yes, uh, I mean, the 200-word-a-day uh, challenge, it got me out of my writing funk at the beginning of uh, lockdown. So I I know it works, and, uh, you know, so many people have come and told us on social media that it works for them as well. Uh, so just get over to uh, bestsellerexperiment.com com uh forward slash i'm waiting for the url to come well, you up can go directly to, to 200, 200 word <laughs> 200 word challenge.com is the quickest and easiest way to get there to the website yeah and yeah, then when yeah. you go to the bestseller experiment website you, there's a place where you can call the word bank and that's where you submit your words so not literally submit your words we aren't asking you to paste your you know 200 finely crafted uh 
pieces of uh, of prose to us. It's literally just the number of words you wrote. That's all you do each day. Pop along to the website and add it to the word bank because this year we're going big. We're going big numbers. We are about to smash through the 20 million words um, barrier, which is phenomenal. I'd like to see that go up even higher, even more millions. So, so add your words into the word bank for the community as well. Um, we want to hear your goals for 2022. So get in touch. You can find us in all sorts of places. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com. You'll see your contact tab there. Drop us a line there via email. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment, and Twitter, Twitter and Instagram at, at Bestseller XP. Let us know your goals and, you know, we'll read them out in the podcast. Fantastic. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to open this new year with you. This year of unlimited writing potential, goals and dreams. Who knows what things we're going to hear about from everyone out there. But maybe it'll be you this year. Maybe it'll be you writing to us saying, hey, Marks, guess what? The dream has come true. I've got an agent. I've got my book published independently. I've got a three-book deal. I've started my book. I've finished my book. Whatever it is for you, we wish you the best of bestseller experiment luck. We, we can't wait to hear. And if you already have news for us, send it in and we'll like to celebrate with you on this show. And thank you folks for being with us at the beginning of this new year. Uh, Mr. Stay, I hope you have a fantastic, it's going to be an amazing year for you. Oh my gosh. It's going to be a fun year. Yeah. It's going to be a biggie. One way or another. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So um, <laughs> join us to hear the unfolding of all of our stories as well. And we'll be here to support and cheer you along the way as you get your pen to paper and make your writing dreams a reality, folks. So, Mr. Say, have a great, great January. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year to you. Happy New so, Year, yes. And so to it's everyone. Goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. goodbye. Happy New Year, folks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.